and welcome to episode six of the Okie Show Show. I'm Brian Gilliland, your host. I said my own last name weird just then, but that's okay. Um, it is, what day is it? This is a terrible intro already. Uh, this is all so going. Prepared. You got this, With... Brian. Oh my God. Zach, Zach and Jacob Burns of Electric Nostalgia. What are you doing here? Uh, that's, do you guys mind if I finish this intro? Is that okay? Yeah, I was kind of. I mean, I know this is your house and all, but. Well, this is the this place has the best acoustics though. So, how bad do you just, really have to go? Just try to keep it down, okay? I'm trying to multitask here, man. Okay, all right. If you if it's okay with y'all, I'm gonna do um, gonna do some announcements of what's going on this week. Tuesday, December 8th, Aaron Gillespie of Under Oath and The Almost is going to be playing at 89th Street Collective, formerly known as The Conservatory. That's going to be at 7 p.m. Wednesday, December 9th, <coughs> the OKC Metro Film Mixer and Fundraiser for the Indie Film Noir Superhero Short Film. It's a lot of genres combined into one. Uh, it's called The Grave, and that the mixer is going to be at Deep Deuce Grill from 6 to 8 and if you go to Deep Deuce, it's required that you take a Deep Deuce. Thursday, December 10th, uh, stand-up open mic's going to be at JJ's Alley from 7.30 to 9. And that's the only thing going on Thursday, which is boring. Saturday, December 12th, Larry Chin is going to be having his EP release show at the Hilo from 10 to 1 a.m. And if you have not seen Larry Chin, the dude is awesome. And uh, if you like indie music, you should totally go. And if you like drag shows, you should go to the Hilo on a different day. But uh, Sunday, December 13th, <clears throat> there is an event called Script Writing Sundays. And that is a screenwriting workshop for everyone. And it's going to be at Noir Bistro, formerly the Paramount Cafe, right downstairs on the first floor of the Paramount. And that's going to be from noon to 2 p.m. That's it. Brian, that's everything. Brian. What, Zach? Are you, are you done? In I'm the almost yet? done. I'm almost done. Come on. Some of us really have to go. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. It's not the phone that's the problem. Well, I'm using it for right now. If that's just hang on a second. Okay. Guys, this is a very, very cool episode. It's featuring Brian Cates and uh, Adam Carter from Behold Motion Pictures. And it's probably my favorite episode that we've done so far. Sorry, Electric Nostalgia guys. Boo. This one is better. It's not better. It's it's equally as good. Um, yeah. All right, welcome to the Okie Show Show, the podcast that dives into the finer details of navigating Oklahoma's film and music industry, and then tosses our guests into a couple improv games. I'm Brian Gillen, your host, and today we're going to be talking about faith-based filmmaking, and this is a topic that I've been wanting to do for a really, really, really long time because we're in the Bible Belt and it's pretty darn relevant. Um, I'm sitting across from some good, dear friends of mine, Mr. Brian Cates and Mr. Adam Carter. Hello. Hey, how's it going, Brian? <laughs> it's going pretty good. You Thanks guys, for having us on. Uh, it's, Dude, it is so, so good to have you guys on. Um, you guys produced the indie drama Hollis and then also the more Tornado documentary Where Was God, which is now on Netflix and you should watch it and try not to cry. Uh, you're also the main producers and directors for the Christian comedy duo, The Skit Guys. And that's how I first met you. 
Yes, you was that was that 2012? No, it was 2013. I think yeah. it was 20. When you was it before you Adam got started? It was guy. it was right. The first thing that I remember, our good friend Gilly on, <laughs> was uh, when we were shooting at your in-laws' place in Tuttle or close to it. No, no, no. He was on our sets way before then. See that you were probably even participating on the sets before I was even on that's staff. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is you're on staff. You're like full time and I just freelance for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I should clarify that um, whenever I'm on a skit guy's set, my name is Gilly. So if you hear them call Gilly. me Gilly, do not be thrown off. Gilly. Gilly. Sorry. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, so kind of um, introduce you. I want you to introduce yourselves and what exactly you do. But again, this is you know a podcast that has a little improv spin on it. So, Show. Um, uh, you guys are going to do competing Christopher Walken impressions while introducing yourselves. Think you can pull that off? Uh, no, but <laughs> uh, do your best. Do our best. Okay, Adam, you go first. <laughs> so we're introducing ourselves. Yes, and what exactly you do for the skit guys and for Behold. Oh, Motion pictures. Gosh, Christopher Walken. What do you do for this this yeah. film production company? Well, Brian, I <laughs> I uh, am a producer with this with the skit guys, and uh, you just gotta throw a lot of commas in there. Try to <laughs> throw commas, and this is so bad. <laughs> And <laughs> so tell tell us what you do. I well, Brian, <laughs> I hate you, Gilly. I, I, I love uh, you, Adam. <laughs> I produce short films with the skit guys and make Brian do a bunch of stuff that he would otherwise not want to do, like shot lists and <laughs> things under duress. <laughs> and the accent is gone. Now, it was it was good. It was good while it lasted, though. <laughs> so, Brian, can you, can you do better than that? <laughs> no, oh and I'm gosh. anxious to hear it. <laughs> Welcome oh to the podcast. Just throw just, you right into the deep end. Throw us into the deep end. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, Adam. <laughs> Thanks for the handoff. So, my name is Brian Cates, and. I'm a director and producer for the skit guys. And <laughs> now's where it starts to hurt. Stop my <laughs> I think that was a proper introduction. I think that was so uh so yeah, so I I've been uh making content for the skit guys since two thousand five. Uh, Adam came on a couple of years ago as my associate producer. He has now pretty much taken over all of my producer responsibilities, and I am uh, in the process of transitioning Skit Guys into a uh, a feature film yeah, yeah. company. Yeah. So, bum, bum, so that's what I that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. But I'm still directing all of our content. Yeah. Just not doing a lot of the producing of it. That's awesome. Can you yes. explain? I mean, either one of you, explain what exactly the skit guys are. So the skit guys are uh, two best friends from high school who uh, uh, 
became just uh, these well, these two guys that travel all over the world doing Christian sketch comedy. And they're really funny. They pack out churches all over the country and, and in all of other countries. And, uh, and yeah, so that's what they do. So when they're not, when they're not traveling, uh, we, make, uh, we make content with them. We, a lot of it's comedy. Most of it's comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some, there's some tear jerkers in there too. So, yeah. so that's, that's who they are. The short of it is usually I say, we're a Christian resourcing company. We right. make short films for churches to use to facilitate in their worship. Yeah. And that's... I feel like that's been something that's like slowly growing more and more. Like, because I do a lot of yeah. work with Life Church, and their production department has just like exploded into this. Like they're about to build their own soundstage. Yeah. yeah it's it's huge. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a one of the things that's always... I might be skipping ahead a little here, but the with the world of Christian filmmaking and and uh, when the media and stuff kind of came out, like the church was all of a sudden like, oh, whoa, right. Wait, wait, wait a second. We need to hold back. This could be evil or whatever. And uh, there the was this in that their camera. Yeah, there was this regression. Like when you look back into the history, the people that are on top of the technology most are the, is the church. I mean, right. printing press, first place to have printing presses. Churches. I never thought of that. Like all these technologies, the yeah. church was on the forefront uh, of the technology and using it for the gospel and, right. uh, or whatever reasons they were using it. But in the last 50 years, it's been a total opposite thing of like, it's that whole, hey, wait, wait, yeah. internet, rock website. and roll. You know, <laughs> and that's one of the, the deals with what, all the content that you see on the internet now that you would call questionable. <laughs> you know, when the church stepped back, other people stepped forward. Oh, okay. So it's a, and it's a, it's a total, it's a huge case study. It's a real interesting uh, read on the whole deal. But uh, with technology in the church, it's starting to catch back up again. Like, it's yeah. like oh, we can have church online. Oh, we can right. Have, uh, I mean, like, dude, I live and breathe through podcasts. Yeah, like, all kinds. I don't of have stuff. time to go to church or anything anymore. So I, yeah, I, yeah, I go to the church of podcasts. So, but I wonder, what do you? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that there was such a, you know, pushback from this technology with media? I feel like it was a a, a lot of uh, fear. Yeah, you know, instead of embracing change. Uh, it came down to a genera- a generation of of pushback. I think is what it was. Mm. You, know, you know that can take take people away as opposed to how could we use this right. as a tool or an instrument yeah. instead of uh, oh let's hide from it because if you're going to hide from it, somebody else is going to exploit it. Right. And you know it it could be the opposite of what you. And that's why I'm so passionate about the fame faith-based filmmaking aspect of things is because I want to make stuff that's uh, positive, up- uplifting, that serves a, what I feel is a greater purpose and power and, and all that stuff to yeah. teach and to grow. And that's why I love what I do. Yeah. And it's because I get to hopefully show somebody something they didn't know before. Sure. And I'm sure that's what all filmmakers do. And right. my, my I feel like every just, filmmaker, yeah. like, everybody has some kind of message or something like that, that they, you know, want mm-hmm. to show through their stories. But, um, we're going to talk more about that. Yeah. But we're going to, we're going to skip over to kind of, uh, 
Dude, we're going to do some trivia. You guys ready for some trivia? This is very light trivia. Always ready for trivia, Brian. Yes. Okay, Always. so uh, <clears throat> question number one. What Frank Peretti book has not been adapted into a feature film? Is it The Visitation, This Present Darkness, or Hangman's Curse? Frank Peretti uh, is basically the, the faith-based equivalent of Stephen King. Oh, best-selling author, mostly like back in the '90s and early 2000s, and he started to kind of make a comeback. But uh, him and Ted Decker have been doing some stuff together. That that that's actually interesting because in the '90s I was just reading Stephen King, oh, so. <laughs> and I was just reading Frank Peretti, and now yeah. I'm reading Stephen King, and you should be reading Frank Peretti. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess so. I guess so. Is I think it's this present oh, darkness. This present darkness. I got it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, actually, that movie was being optioned by Universal and, and got caught up in Turnaround, which sucks because that's an amazing book. See, that's just, that's one of the things, like, I cannot, I am reminded every day how many movies are made that you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Like, forget Christian films because, I mean, that that's yeah. a niche. You can go to a Christian bookstore and see hundreds of titles with, with, with like, B-list actors in them that you recognize and you yeah. never knew they existed even more so in the world outside of that niche it's it is there are so many it movies. is so intimidating there are yeah so many movies out there and so many good ones that no one's ever seen that yeah that's the key so many yeah. good ones <laughs> yeah that no one has a clue about which, well, which 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 is a good plug for where was god you can watch it for free on netflix yeah. mm-hmm. and it's right really now. it's really good that's right. the documentary you guys did over the Moore tornado. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's won some awards, hasn't it? Uh, it has won a few awards. Yes. So it is an award winning film. Uh, yes. So. And it's on Netflix. And it's. Which yes. is awesome. Yes. It's, it's won some best documentary stuff at some festivals. Yeah. And yeah. So it's good. Moving on to question number two. Who was the creator of VeggieTales? <laughs> Uh, oh Phil Vischer. Oh man, yeah. you you beat me to it. Oh, I was gonna say, killed it. I actually this was gonna be a trick question because it was the options were Bob the Tomato, uh, Mike Noraki, and Phil Vischer, and Phil Vischer actually voices Bob the Tomato. So oh, either one of those would have been that. right. Okay, I got one last trivia question. Uh, which classic novelist was responsible for C.S. Lewis's faith? Was it Aldous Huxley, J.R.R. Tolkien, or J.K. Rowling? Mm, I want to say it was. Uh, Tolkien, it was, it was totally Tolkien. You, you are correct. Yes, they were buddies. Boom yeah, roasted. they were well because C.S. Lewis was like an atheist or something beforehand. Yeah, and then they they started hanging out and yeah. having theological discussions and then right yeah. and then C.S. Lewis became you know one of the greatest thinkers of yeah. the Christian faith. I mean, just yeah, the man is a think tank, a think Crazy. tank of thoughts. And I, I put that question in there just to kind of show the relevance of the, like faith-based filmmaking, things that are faith-based, and that's not just—it's not necessarily just Christian, but um, you know they are very relevant in our society. Like J.R.R. Tolkien was the author of *Lord of the Rings*, and that's become one of the biggest franchises in our history. You know, next next to *Star Wars*. <laughs> Next to Star Wars, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Oh, that, oh those words can. don't need to be mentioned. Or <laughs> Star we, or Wars, or just both of them. We, it, you can't put them close. <laughs> there has to be a, a good Star <laughs> Wars, and then we can keep yeah. talking. But yeah. as soon as those words go together, we we begin down a a, 
a very a bad, down a dark path, very very dark path <laughs> of conversation that will take us away, very right. very to a galaxy, to, to a galaxy far, very <laughs> far far away from the topics at hand. Um, so let's let's bring it back into. Um, I want you guys to explain exactly for the because this is definitely not a faith based podcast. This is very. I mean, this is a secular podcast. Sure, we have everybody in here. Um, explain to the layman what exactly faith based filmmaking is. Well, that's that's a that's a kind of to, for me that's a difficult thing to, to describe because I I think that filmmaking has a lot of different worldviews in it um there's definitely there's definitely films out there that have agendas uh there's films out there that that have worldviews like you you can go watch any movie and experience an agenda subplot right Mm. yeah so um what would be something like uh like million dollar baby million dollar baby was an amazing amazing movie it had it had a, made a very strong statement about euthanasia, right? Yeah. So, uh, and and there's, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, even Jurassic World has right. has uh, a, uh, you know, in the industrialization, capitalization of war, sub like theme thread yes, into that it. That subplot it's, was it's just kind of a little bit crazy. Yeah. Like every movie has a worldview. Um, not every movie. I mean, yeah, every movie does have a every worldview. Because every movie has a, yeah. movie has a director, and that director has a specific right. view on the world. Right. So um, I feel like faith-based uh, filmmaking, it very simply, is is making a film where the the filmmaker has uh, a, a worldview that's grounded in some sort of faith. Right. Now, what they do with that is all kinds of there's all kinds of different things that they could do with that. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, you can have, like, your, your Tim LaHaye, yeah. you know, in uh, uh, movies where you're going to, uh, what, 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 what is, Left Behind. The Left Behind series. Left yeah. Behind movies. So, your fictionalization of, I'm sorry, in my opinion, a fictionalization of, <laughs> of, the, of the end times. <laughs> right. But, um, you sorry, mean sorry, everyone out there, I'm just offending gonna be you. perfectly placed. To yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you have you have that. You you also have like um, even Sherwood Sherwood films. They do a great job making movies, courageous and all those movies. They definitely have a worldview and an agenda. Their agenda is to share the gospel and right. to um, uh, to to try to make movies that people want to bring their fin- friends to, or that just Christians are inspired by, yeah. inspired to watch. Um. Well, and there was another film that was just recently, I think it was War Room? Yeah, it was called War Room. War Room, And it was like, I think it was number one in the box office there. It was. It was. They have a big following. It's the same director as Courageous, I believe. Right. Courageous and Fireproof and all that. Right. Um, You know, I I think the the path that we're going to be taking in that, with having a Christian worldview in our filmmaking, Right is more along the path of Christian entertainment. Whereas I think, uh, you know, a lot of films uh, have a gospel-centered agenda to them. You know, our, at, at, the core of, at the core of our faith and our worldview is the gospel, but we're making a movie that's going to be entertaining 
to Christians and even non-Christians alike. We mm-hmm. want to make people laugh. And so yeah. that that's what um, we want to make people feel things too. You know, you can't have, you can't have a lot of humor without a lot of heart. But um, I think, I think what you're going to see in our film is hopefully in our films coming out, hopefully you'll see um, a good effort in trying to make people make people laugh right make make people uh, not take themselves too seriously yeah so and let's talk about that for a second because especially whenever you have a very specific audience and sure. so not only do you have to do clean comedy but you have to do clean comedy that is also Christian sure so tell me about some of the obstacles that you run into while because clean comedy is hard it's really really freaking hard it is hard it is hard and you know we're we're even guilty of giving in and doing some of the fart jokes sometimes <laughs> like yeah like that 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 is the cuss word in the christian world right, right? is poop <gasps> poop and pee and yeah. all that stuff people but, don't poop and pee <clears throat> right rainbows come out of there <laughs> but yeah it's difficult like uh we have to serve a very specific audience and we get I'm sure that everybody gets critical review. Everybody right. gets critical review. But, you know, I feel like our audience uh, and the world that we we create content for, sometimes we have to be so sensitive. Because not only do we live in a PC world. <laughs> yeah. But You're we PC live... within the PC. Yes. PC-ception. <laughs> yeah. We, we made a really funny short mm-hmm. last month. We, it, was a, it was a big production. Um, we, we traveled out of state to create it. Yeah. We couldn't afford to bring you with us, Brian, because you went to it Colorado was all, without we me. went to Colorado. <laughs> it was already, but we made a really funny short that had some great heart. It was a, it was kind of a, a princess bride theme, you know, that yeah. kids don't want to go to bed. Tell us one more story, daddy. So yeah. he tells them the story and it's all magic and inventive and the kids take over and the characters become superheroes and all kinds of like, right. it's, it's really fun. But what we didn't realize was, oh, we might be offending some people right. in this story. Um, just, so we, we had to take it, it down. It was just like an outfit or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Um, it was. It was what what one of the characters was portraying was. And we won't go into any details. Yeah. But but yeah, it, we. You're exactly right when you say that we live in a PC world inside of a PC world. That's what it is to make. Yeah. Christian content. So it's hard enough to, to just write clean comedy for the the normal world, but not you're writing clean comedy for the Christian world, which is you know you've got all these different denominations sure. and stuff that you have to deal with. Well, and think, everybody think has a about different spin like, on it. Yeah, and think about just like I don't I don't know how many of you listeners out there are, are familiar with the church world, but there are many different ways to baptize someone. Yeah, right. 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 And we have <laughs> you can offend somebody with the method that dude, you choose. We have <laughs> some funny baptism ideas <laughs> of how we can make some shorts yeah. that involve baptism. But some people's flavor is sprinkling. Right. Some people's Slash flavor is dunking. Right. Some people's flavor is infant. Right. Some people's flavor is post-conversion. So there's all these different flavors right. out there. Flavors uh, of baptism. Yeah, flavors of baptism. So we can't touch that. Cause yeah. There's just... It, it's, it's, a dicey, it's a dicey topic. And the majority of the, the flavors aren't like you and I would eat orange candy and strawberry candy. It'd be right. like 
me eating orange candy and then someone eating poop candy. You know, <laughs> right. there, there's not there's, You don't eat poop candy. You know, there's not a grade <laughs> of of severity. It's either yeah. it's either an off switch or an on switch. Right. And there is no middle ground. That's the when you say a PC world within a PC world, like we literally have to say if that's going to flip an off switch, yeah, then we avoid it. Well, that's I mean what like makes it difficult. And you guys are putting out content consistently you're constantly having to come up with new stuff and it's uh, mostly comedy how do you do that we oh. have a guy that we put in a closet and <laughs> we, if do, we if don't you, give him any food and water up. until he comes out <laughs> he with stops, a script right? if he stops typing he gets tased and he doesn't he gets an old school typewriter yes and an old school taser <laughs> it's an electric chair ah oh okay <laughs> Yeah, with you leather, will write with, or you will die. Yes. Twenty thousand volts straight to the <laughs> yeah. noggin. We put yep. the sponge on his head. Everything, the whole works. <laughs> uh, anybody see the movie Shocker when you were a kid? It was a horrible. <laughs> no. It wasn't even a B movie. It was like a C movie about nope. this guy that got the electric chair and came back to life to haunt people. Or, but his ghost was the electric chair. That would have been even better. No, he was the ghost. <laughs> so anytime any new criminal got down in the chair, he was just like, I'm just going to hug oh, you for a little bit. Oh, goodness. No, you're right. We, you, you know, and I can do this together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was funny was he, part of, I don't know if it was part of the shock or part of like the crime that he committed or maybe just an accident from childhood, but he drug, he had one dead leg that he drug behind him. Of course. And so he would walk and then just drag the leg and take a step and drag the leg. Oh. How did he ever catch anybody? That's just I don't totally know. Impressive. They did not think that went through. I don't know, but anytime I wanted to scare my sister growing up, all I had to do was walk like Shocker. And she would run <laughs> Sounds into like the a other song. <laughs> walk like walk Shocker. Walk like Shocker. Yeah. yeah. But going back to the question you or the thing that you asked, how do we create so much? You're right. We create about 30... I think this year we were, we've oh, created yeah. about 35 pieces of content Yeah. this year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's by committee. Like we have yeah. a great team and everyone on our team is creative. Yeah. And so, um, no, no idea is a bad idea. It does not apply. Cause yeah, we'll tell you if it's a bad idea, Yeah. you know, and, and we work really well together. How, uh, how so, many people are in your writer's room? So we have one lead writer who kind of takes the lead on, revisions and and getting us stuff and he's the one that really feels the burden of the deadlines um but then there's one two three four five six of us that go into the writing room and so we we have a very that's like a sitcom writing room yeah yeah it's it's like a sitcom writing room Mm -hmm. um but we have you know like this last series of stuff that we that we're turning out we maybe had what six development drafts and then some of our scripts have gone into yeah we had a pink draft we had a 1.0 through 5.0 like rough yeah and we locked and we're at pink no i think we hit green we we hit green on a couple of them for the layman listener how many revisions would that be see okay white blue yellow pink five so five on top of five 
I always get the revision colors all sorts of confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just get my sides at the beginning of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah like, so okay, this is what we're shooting. So the last and if Brian's deal. on our sets, he never he never gets the sides. <laughs> just, just, yeah, just tell yeah. me where to put the Finds, boom mic. Yeah. Finds out Who's where to point it. it. And then we're like, Gilly. <laughs> Sorry. It's because I'm hiding in the corner. And it's not so much just the writing that's the burden. I mean, you, you know, our room may tell you that that's the, that's the biggest burden. But being in production, um, there, there's only uh, two of us that are really in production, other than Tommy and Eddie, because they're actors and they're executive producers. So they're they weigh in on all the the edits and through post production stuff, and they give feedback throughout the whole thing, and they're awesome. And Tommy but and Eddie are the actual skit guys. Tommy and Eddie are the actual skit guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, all throughout the year, like I was telling you earlier, we are in uh, every stage of production that you can be on on different projects at the same time. So we'll yeah. be in development, pre-production, production, and post-production, uh, and marketing and distribution. All at the same time. And conceptual. Oh, oh yeah, and conception. Yeah. Cause like, so you never sleep, basically. No. Like, <laughs> no. No. If somebody's listening to this, they want to come save me. No. <laughs> I love my job. We both, that's the best, the, our favorite thing is we both get to always, like, people like, do you like what you do? And it's like, I love my job. I wouldn't trade yeah. it for the world. I wouldn't, it's the best. Um, but it, this, this fall, uh, was the craziest. I think at one point we had six projects going on at one time, all wow. in different phases. Wow. Um, and it was just nuts. Well, so. and to put it into perspective, how many projects do you finish in one year? About uh, this year, we'll probably hit about 35 or so. Wow. And that's short films <laughs> that are about how long each? In between... <laughs> uh, Two and six. We minutes. always try to get them to be about two minutes. Some of them are like yeah. four, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they're in between two and six minutes yeah. usually. Man, that's crazy. Short film kind of deals. And so I can only imagine what it would be like to work on a show like Game of Thrones, where they're just they've got two units going at the same time and they're shooting mm-hmm. for like six solid six solid months. I think that's right. the number that I remember reading. Yeah, like wow, that's crazy. It's crazy. Um, what do you think that, uh, why, why do you think that having faith-based films is an important thing? I think it's important because we're giving uh, a voice to a certain demographic that hasn't had a huge voice in that industry yet. I mean, I think if you go back to, you know, the early stages of filmmaking, you had a lot of different voices. Um, but no, I think it's important because of that. I, th- I think it's important that uh, that you just you have movies out now, like Woodlawn. The Irwin brothers did an incredible, incredible job on Woodlawn. Woodlawn was just as good as Remember the Titans, and that's the story. It's basically Remember the Titans. It, it's a civil rights era film, but it's a true story on how the gospel changed this school hmm. um, during the first year of integration. Right. So, and they did it so well. I mean, they did it so well. It's a great, great little film. Um, and 
And I mean, it was, I mean, Mark Burnett produced it. I think it was like a $25 million film. So, I mean, they spent some serious money on a real faith-based film and they did it really well. So I think the important thing now is that we have, we have, we have really good, we we, we have films being made uh, in the mainstream for this demographic, for the, for, for this audience. But what we're starting to see is there's some really talented filmmakers working well, this. I mean, like, I I mean, on that note, like, it seems like, especially here in the Midwest, you know, some of the most talented filmmakers that we have around here seem to be based in a church or with a faith-based group or something sure. like that. You know what I mean? Because sure. of the fact that they're constantly putting out content like what you guys do. Right. Like, they're able to sharpen that tool more so than, you know, Joe Blow over here that, you know, isn't associated with, you know, this, right. this backer that is the church. Right. It's that it's a great place to cut your teeth. Adam and I both cut our teeth in the church before we before we started doing this, yeah. you know, and, and there'd be you go for months having to create new content every single week. You're like the film unit of Saturday Night Live, but it's only right. you and you don't have any money. Yeah, that's what it is to work in the media department at a church. Yeah. So you, when you come out of that world and, and into a world kind of like ours. Now you have maybe 30 projects to do a year, which is maybe still the same amount, but you have a team and you have some money. You can really start to make some stuff. So yeah, the church is actually a really amazing training ground because there's not a lot of production companies that are doing that kind of work. Excuse me, that often, unless, unless you are signing alive. I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, like I can't think of any other way that you'd be able to have that experience. Right. And that's, you know, that's really cool. So you guys get involved with your church. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Go volunteer. Uh, Yeah. Make stuff Um, all the time. There does seem to be like in the, in the, in the everyday world, there does seem to be somewhat of a stigma towards faith-based films. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Because they're bad. Because they they deserve their stigma. Let's talk about that though. I mean, like, why do you think that is? Not I, the stigma, because the stigma is because they're bad movies. But why are they bad movies? I think it... Oh God, there's there's a lot of opinions you could throw around, and that's really all they are. Um, if you asked me, for me, it's, it's a little bit of a combination between being contained in that PC, within a PC, yeah. civilization, which is the church, and fear of outcast, and, you know... 10 or 15 years ago, if you were making movies, it was like, wow, that's questionable. You know? Right. You know, it wasn't a thing now where people are like, oh, you're a Christian filmmaker. That's great. Yeah. You know, uh, let me see your movies. It was kind of, like I right. said earlier, it's kind of a pushback thing. Kind of. I, I feel like there's uh, still quite a bit of that. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yes. you're a Christian filmmaker. But the, uh, I think part of the reason is, uh, well, Brian touched on it a minute ago. It's that uh, the the agenda films. Uh, yeah. And and there's so many, and, and I can't even stand <coughs> most agenda films. I'm always yeah. like, I'll just make a movie. Well, and I think that's an important distinction to make that there's a difference between an agenda film mm-hmm. and just a faith based film. Yeah. Um, they, there is that thing of pounding home that uh, taking the film at, you know, using it as a preaching tool. Right. As where, like, I, I love the films where, uh, God is an understood entity. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, uh, he is gravity. He's just like gravity. No one watches a film and thinks, well, why are those people not floating off the earth? 
<laughs> you know, like, yeah. right. When what when Robert De Niro walks into a church to pray and ask God for help, nobody thinks anything different of it mm-hmm. because he was just walking in a church and praying and asking God for help. And he moves yeah. on and goes on in the story. You know, the, that that's that's a great device to use God as gravity. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the person, the main character mm-hmm. has some type of faith. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Great. Let's move on. And it's not a thing. It's just part of it's the it's, world. It's, it's just, part of their worldview. I right. Mean, right. And that's that's the great thing about what like what we've talked about earlier is that w- that's what we want to be. We want to be that worldview kind of thing where right it it, it is what it is yeah you know, to us because nobody likes to be preached at like and there's plenty of mm. you know secular things that I'll watch and just be like all right come on I I, I don't care just get yeah. to the story yeah and and that that's why I think most because it's it's easiest, I guess, to take a faith-based film and see their agenda, and usually there's not a whole lot of money involved on top of it. And yeah, it's just combining bad storytelling with bad, <laughs> low quality bad execution. Yeah, it, it's just, and so there's that stigma that you get from all that, and yeah. that's that's where I think it mostly comes from. Is just not the greatest filmmaking combined with preaching at people. Right. Yeah. And I don't think they're, they're based on a lot of the same business models that the no, traditional no, Hollywood films. No, and I mean, we, we have to remember that there's a lot of, a lot of bad movies that are not Christian movies. Right. There's a ton of bad movies. <laughs> Go to your red box. Yeah. Half and just, of them are bad movies. Probably yeah. three quarters of them. Are Half bad of movies. them is generous. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of bad movies out there. And I think one of the things that hurts, um, that hurts Christian films from quality is just the fact that they're not wrapped up in some of the same business models. You know, like really great scripts get a lot of money behind them. Then they get people that are really talented, some of the best at what they do, to come in and work on them for years. Yeah. And then they make these movies, uh, and some of them are are good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like some of them are really good. Yeah. Some of them aren't. Um, and, you know, you just haven't had, uh, I think, you know, I, I, I think Woodlawn might be the first, one of the very first examples of a, you know, a $25 million movie actually doing really, really great. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't see Nick Cage in the latest uh, you know, Left Behind. But I watched it and I, you know, I, I gave it the benefit of the doubt and it's it's not a good movie but it's not a terrible movie yeah, surprisingly yeah, yeah. enough it's not a terrible movie but again it's not a good movie <laughs> and, that, that, and that probably had a pretty big budget you know and so it definitely ha- it so had to what you probably experienced is you probably experienced the production value of having all that money right and i think a lot of christian movies go in with an agenda they go in saying, you know, what can we, what, how can the, the buzzword in the Christian world is how can we be a good steward with what we have, right? Yeah, right. How can we spend our money wisely? So if you have like, let's say, can we make a movie for half a million dollars? Sure. You can make a movie for half a million dollars. Okay. Well then let's do <laughs> Will that. Will be a good one? <laughs> because our agenda isn't to spend a lot of money and then make a whole lot more money back. Right. Our agenda is to get a message out. Right. And I think that is at odds with quality it's it's at Mm. direct odds with Mm. quality yeah um so that's a really interesting point so i think it's easy for me to say that most christian films are bad because they're just not founded in in the same in the same values 
right. that big budget movies have. And that that's the truth. It's just it's what you the key word was it's about a message, mm-hmm. not about the money. Yeah. Right. And I mean that's that's great, but if it's also not about like you said, the excellence or the quality and that right. your message dies. It doesn't yeah. have legs. Well, I've always felt like, you know, the message is important, but if you have the message that's driving the story rather than the characters and the relationships that, you know, the message is right. inside, like, I feel like that is kind of a fundamental flaw. Oh, it sure, sure it is. Has anybody read the Mammoth Memo? I mean, if you don't have a scene, and I believe... I mean, a channel film school here. Right. <laughs> but if you don't have a scene that's not founded in conflict based on a character wanting something and willing to sacrifice or undergo change to get it, you don't have a good scene ever. Right. And you're going to have, what, 60 scenes in a movie? It depends how fast paced your movie is, but maybe 30 scenes, maybe 50 scenes, how many ever scenes you have in a movie. If they're not every scene doing that, you lose audience engagement. Right. That's why. Shows like The Good Wife exist because of the Mammoth Memo. Because mm. every single scene, you have some sort of subplot where right. where crap is hitting the fan, literally. <laughs> yeah. Lives are on the line. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think... What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just making the point of, like, uh, you know, when your agenda when your and your message, message yes. is set... In above right. your story and your your um, character conflicts and character right. development, you know that right. That I feel like that's a pretty fundamental trap that mm-hmm. a lot of faith based stuff gets stuck in. Mm-hmm. It's like we have to, you know, we have to preach the gospel and we have to get this message out. Well, okay, but what about these characters and mm-hmm. like, you know, they're still within the natural world. Things don't just happen magically, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. I read a great review of, I'll, I'll plug Woodlawn again. Hey, Irwin Brothers, if you're out there, I'd love to take <laughs> you to coffee. Uh, but I read a great review of of Woodlawn in that the characters played the characters. The yeah. fundamental flaw with characters in faith-based movies up until this point is it been people that the writer has tried to get us to like, but then all of a sudden they flip some sort of switch and turn into... A, uh, a a religious sage, right? When the uh, when the story deems necessary for them to you know share the gospel or yeah or tell a friend that they're wrecking their life and they need Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what Woodlawn did so great was that they, it let characters be the characters that they are. Sean Astin's character is a chaplain. Okay. So his yeah. whole yeah, role, so that makes sense. His whole role in the movie was to try to um, to share his worldview with the football team. That's right. his whole role, as based on a true story. And you know, the coach's whole role was to is Woodlawn. Was is that a coach. movie that's in theater? It was recently in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this it's was still probably it, in, it. It started out relatively small, and then I think it kind of yeah. It grew. Uh, it started grew, right? out. It came out, and everybody was like, "What?" And then uh, <laughs> Sean it got Aston, a, he's Sam. Yeah, it got a ninety-three on Rotten Tomatoes, and everyone was like, "What?" 
<laughs> since, since then, it's gone down to maybe like 86, but still, yeah. those are critical reviews. Yeah, like right Those aren't user beginning. reviews. Those are like, those are newspapers like actual and actual critics. critics. Yeah. And it's like holding tight at about, I think, maybe 86 now. And that, wow. that's what got that's its great. attention. Yeah, that's fantastic. That yeah. Up in the 90s first review. Right. And uh, I I remember seeing two or three different articles that came out with that. And it was like, Christians, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Go see this movie. Yeah. Like, uh, no, I like think that. I read that, too. I think I even uh-huh. shared that on my Facebook yeah. page of like, even when there's a good movie, you people aren't supporting it. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those deals. Like if there's not that. And that's another thing, a stigma that fighting against in the whole faith based filmmaking world is sometimes if there isn't that message of. You know that beat your yeah. face in the whole time message. Yeah. Then Christians may not get behind it, as we're right. Woodlawn, a totally different animal. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it started with that when it kicked in, and and people were like, "Go see this movie! Go see this movie!" And then everyone's yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, this is great!" Yeah. So, but I mean, it's still like Brian said, like it's still holding in the high 80s from critical reviews. I'm gonna have to see it because I I I do remember you talking about it the other day. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, I I'm I'm a fan of of good of good well, faith-based movies. What's great about it? What's great about it too? I, I mentioned about the characters. What's great about it is it lets the antagonists in the movie be natural antagonists. Right. Like the antagonists that we that we see in in all of the movies. There's yeah. been some movies that have come out lately where they antagonize uh atheists or they right. antagonize People that don't have faith at all or whatever, yeah, you know, and so and to, and to a lot of people really that comes across as demonizing idea. those people. And it does. It does. Yeah. And I think in a large part, it's, you know, it might be good marketing to rally the the church at large around a, a message that they feel oppressed against, you know, yeah, because that's the antagonist is the person who. uh doesn't like Christianity, but right. Uh, I just don't think it's a good message. I don't think I don't think Jesus would get behind that message. Right. Um, like yeah, portraying these don't. people as being horrible earthly people. No, no, yeah, yeah. 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 I think you know the, I have the example of that we have friends that are wonderful, wonderful people. Exactly. The the example we have from Jesus are that the you know the people that that he got onto were the holy rollers. Yeah. You know? So, oh, yeah. I mean, like... The hypocritical Pharisees. Yeah. So, I, I just don't buy it. I, I don't... I don't... I don't... In our geopolitical climate, it's easy to make a, make movies like that that incorporate stories like that because... Right. It's just it's just the, the antagonism that our culture is used to. Yeah. Not a good and idea. And I feel though. like it, do, it doesn't do anything but create more division that yes. we, don't, we don't need. Yes. We have enough yes. as it is, like, right. blah. Right. Um, tell me about how Skit Guys grew into what it is today. We made a video called God's Chisel. That is that, that is, is all. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> and then poof. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I started making content with the Skit Guys in 2005 when I was working um, at the same church as a media director as one of the Skit Guys is as a pastor at. So, uh, we, we created a lot of content even back then. Um, we, uh, we made some resources for Zondervan, um, some DVD resources. For those of you who don't know who Zondervan is, they are the company that owns the Bible. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. This company owns the I'm Bible. I'm kidding, but I think they do own the NIV translation. Or the, the, the copyright I didn't to know it. that was a thing. <laughs> I think it's a thing. Yeah. I wonder is. if that's for like every religious book, you know? I don't like, know. But somebody owns the Book of Mormon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're the one Mormons. of the bigger publishers. <laughs> but anyway, so we did stuff like that. Um, but there's a there's a skit a skit guy's skit called God's Chisel, and we made that, and some random fan watched it and put it on YouTube, and it went viral. It literally went viral. Like nowadays, you just hate that word because right. you it's know it's gone viral. Yeah, local news <laughs> will say this video's gone viral. It's like yeah, yeah it has like thirty thousand views. Yeah, viral. So this video went viral. And we were like, what do we do with this? What what do we do with this? What have we done? And so we messaged her a message and we said, hey, this is great. This is our video. <laughs> so can you maybe like put skitguys.com yeah. on it? <laughs> or maybe. something like, because like, it just said, hey, this video is awesome. Watch this. That's what it said yeah. in the description. Can you put like, it's it's like the skit guys and put skitguys.com <laughs> on yeah. it? People always and forget so, that whenever they're sharing quote-unquote viral videos yeah yeah and then you know social media really helped uh starting in about 2009 2010 uh once all our moms and dads started getting on social media yep yeah <laughs> that that really helped too uh so uh yeah that that video really kind of ballooned us and then we've had some other great titles since then um that uh, there's a video called mom goggles that i've uh, seen that one were you on that I, I wasn't on that one but i, okay. I did watch it uh, that, uh, that did really well on the internet and, uh, and yet, I mean, just Tom and Ed out there touring helps a lot, but yeah. you know, the great thing about having videos on the internet is they can be seen anywhere by anyone. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we have a TV show that's on a couple of, uh, Christian networks that we create content for, but even our TV show, it's like the same platform as the Chappelle show. We oh, just, cool. it's just Tommy and Eddie going, Hey, watch this video. Yeah. <laughs> that's, my, that's my, that's my Dave Chappelle <laughs> now watch impersonation this next video. That's my Dave Chappelle impersonation. So you can mark oh, that okay. one I'll off write of your that cue down. card. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, and then they just show the content that we're already making. So right. that's great having a TV show, but really having content on the internet. Yeah. It, well, it's just been crazy it. how much the, 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 like the entity of skit guys has grown since I got involved back in 2013, mm -hmm. I think. Because yeah. whenever I first started with you guys, like you had, you had plenty of gear and everything, but like now you have a full blown grip truck, and you've got it feels it seems like you've got it's a lot more baby. people working. <laughs> that yeah, you're the key. You're you are the key grip. The key the keys to the grip truck. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you have a truck. It just seems like we were shooting on DSLR at first, and now we're shooting on like Red Epic, and I mean like everything's Red shoots and everything. Like you just excelled so quickly in three years yeah it it's crazy like i think i mean i i i, I just count it as a blessing from god like i don't i don't know i mean we, we've created some good content but i mean yeah it, uh yeah we've really been blessed and and how we've been able to to do some of those things and you know so i think i think it's all yeah it's all good that's yeah. awesome well, you guys want to play some games? Let's do it. 
Love games. Let's play some games. Love games. So this is a uh, film and music podcast, but we also do lots of uh, fun little improv games. No, we're not going to do a whole lot. We're just going to do you know enough to wet our whistles and call it a night. But uh, so this first game is going to be called One Word Story. And the way that it works is that each person can only say one word to tell a story. And the story that we are going to tell, <laughs> Brian, Adam, and I, uh, is <clears throat> the story of a brave mouse who overcame his fear of cheese. And we're going to start with you, Brian. We're going to go around clockwise. So three, two, one. Consequently, the mouse can't stand cheese. However, he jumped through the window beside a vat of urine <laughs> then <laughs> urinated in the cat <laughs> continue <laughs> how is this physiology <laughs> Biologically, <laughs> physiologically possible. It's really good aim, really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> consequently, <laughs> the cat died. So, the mouse realized his urine was powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Now, he had a slice of potato, which consequently allowed him to eat cheese. Oh my God. That was in, all. in the cat. We were doing so good until Adam said urine. I was... Trying to, uh, <laughs> a vat of urine. I don't know. It just <laughs> sounded like it was what it was supposed to be. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was a good warm up game. All right. So this next game is called Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, the way that this works is Brian, you're going to be playing Han Solo, and Adam, you're going to be playing Luke Skywalker, and you're going to be running from the Empire, and the hyperdrive is busted. But you are going to have two lines of dialogue that you have to play into the scene. So you grab two, and you grab two, three, two. One. Luke, tell Chewie to shut up. I'm trying to concentrate here. Uh, Han said to tell tell you to. Sh I'll I'll go now. Okay. Look 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 uh look back there on those uh, on on the on the radar graph there and, and tell me what it says below the panel. It says malfunction. That was a perfect opportunity <laughs> for you to draw the. I was setting you up to, to grab the paper and read the paper. All right, Han, re you rewind, sound rewind. Funny. Han, ask that question again. Hey, Luke, see the uh, all the all the uh, the uh, the the dials over there. Yeah. L look under look under the the dial on the far left and, and tell me what it says. It says, "I like a duchacha." Okay, good. Th what we need is is more duchacha. So, uh, so bring in bring in the duchacha cart from the closet back there. Okay. Uh, what's the passcode to the duchacha closet? The passcode to the duchacha closet is the pin is blue. <laughs> the pin is blue. 
The pin is blue. Is it like P-I-N or it's not working? The P-I-N? Okay, here, here's the, Han, here's the cart. Okay, great. Now, we need to get these things plugged into the hyperdrive machine. Do you know how to do that? No. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to open the hyperdrive machine and plug these things in. Okay, I can do that. Okay. Empire Wait. makes a direct hit on the Millennium Falcon. Okay, hurry. Put put the uh put the uh the, the shields okay. on. Put the shields on high. The shields are not working. I thought you said that this bucket of uh. Okay, okay, okay. Look look in the manual under hyperdrive and uh and find the instructions for shields are or shields are not working. Hold on. This book is freaking huge. How do you expect us? Look in the index. Look in the index under <sighs> shields. It says hyper hi, shields. I need to get rid of this food baby. Oh, the food baby. Of course. That, that, you that's brought the, the food baby on the mission. Here's the thing about the food baby. The food baby's mother wants alimony and child support. So it's kind of hard... On, on every third weekend, not to bring the food baby on look, the Millennium Falcon. Look, Han, I know that you've got a lot of personal baggage, okay? But we're you trying... Wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't believe. We are trying to defeat the Empire here. We have got a galactic starship on our butt firing plasma at us. We don't have time to deal with your babies. That's what she said. <laughs> but... We're gonna die. <laughs> But I think I have a plan. I think I, I think I have a plan. We are going to die. I think I have a plan. I'm going to consult my lucky fortune cookie that I have saved for such a time as this. I got it on the planet Pinchon from a... <laughs> Uh, from, 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 from the, uh, the, fortune the famed <laughs> fortune cookie maker. <laughs> and he said that in, in, the t in your time of greatest distress, open this fortune cookie... And it will have all the answers to your problems. It's moldy. Okay, I'm going to crack it open here. Crack. <laughs> and we'll read what it says here. I smell something fishy. <laughs> I think it's the fortune cookie, Han. All right. Yes, that was good. Fantastic. Okay, we got one last game. This is a game called Eulogy. Are you going to play it with us? I'm going to play it with you. Okay, good. And, um, and this is where we're going to have some, some fun impressions to do. So, uh, Brian, you are going to be playing Gollum. Okay. <laughs> Adam, you're going to um, you're gonna play Jerry Seinfeld. And then Gosh. I'm going to attempt my Gilbert Godfrey. And uh, okay, so this is eulogy, and we are we are all three saying a eulogy one at a time for the brave mouse that died after getting food poisoning from eating the cheese. Probably a naturally. lot of urine in it. Naturally. Naturally. Uh, so I'll 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 start out. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> My name is Gilbert Godfrey, and this mouse is dead. He ate the cheese, and now he's dead. How many times do I have to tell you to not eat the cheese, or else you always reach a terrible demise? Thank you. Okay, let's see here. The mouse was a very good friend of mine. 
I met him in my cave. And one day, he came to me with, with cheese and says, Gollum, would you like some cheese? I don't know where I'm going with this. That was horrible. <laughs> uh, guys, I can't Thank finish this. Thank you very much. That was ridiculous. Now you, Jerry Seinfeld, everyone. You start it by saying, what's the deal with cheese? <laughs> what's... What's the deal with cheese? And this mouse, he's now he's jumping over urine vats. He's he's urinating in cats. I told him, don't eat the cheese. Kramer told him, don't eat the cheese. I said, don't eat the cheese. And he ate the cheese, and now he's dead. No soup for you. <laughs> All right. Oh. Painful, Brian. It's so painful. Oh, that was so painful. I warned you whenever you uh, guys were going to come on the show. Mm. Um, well, thank you guys so much for coming on to the Thanks podcast. Thanks for having us. Uh, tell me, well, tell our audience where they can find your website, your social media, all that jazz. Yes. So go to skitguys.com. You can watch all of our videos for free. Uh, you can watch all our videos for free at skitguys.com, facebook.com slash skitguys. To connect with us. We're on all the social medias. You can find links to all those at skitguys.com. And if you're crazy and you want more podcast material, the Skit Guys actually have. They do, and podcast. it is fantastic. Like, I, I was marathoning Skit Guys podcast on the way from, I had a shoot, like, way down in Lawton, and I was listening to it all the way back. So, hopefully, we're actually going to have Tom and Ed on the show eventually. Which, they would be fun, and yeah. they and they could they, do, would, they could actually do improv. They could actually too. do it and do voices. Like <laughs> I think that I was think the only better thing, than y'all think it was. I think the only thing Brian and I can do is 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 Gollum. I think we should have just Gollumed each other the whole time. What's the deal with mouse turns? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, awesome. Yeah, check them out on their website, and also plug behold motion pictures. So yes, you can. Uh, Watch uh, Behold's latest project, Where Was God, for free on Netflix. Um, or you can go to Where Was Dot, Where Was Dog, <laughs> where was the, the Mouse, Where Was That's Dog dot com. <laughs> Where Was Dog, yeah, uh, Where Was God dot com. Uh, you can uh, get your, you can purchase the movie there. I think there's a church bulk pricing and a, and a book and resourcing and all that fun stuff there as well. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, before we go, I got to say thanks to Walking Stick Design for our awesome logo. If you need a logo, t-shirt design, or any other graphics design work, contact Clint at 405-627-1193 or email him at clint at walkingstickdesign.com. Uh, you can also visit me <clears throat> on Facebook, Twitter, and prairiedogpictures.com. And we'll see you guys next time. Again, thank you to Brian Cates and Adam Carter for coming onto the show. This is the Oki Show Show. See y'all next time.